Live. We'll be streaming live soon. All right, good morning. My name is Jonathan Dunn, and we are streaming live from Rick Bonfin Ministries office here in Athens, Georgia, Watkinsville, Georgia. And it's good to be here with you on LatteRain.com. We stream all the time and we've been doing a series on the book of Leviticus. And today we are halfway through Leviticus 14 and we will finish that part beginning verse 33 going through 57 to finish Leviticus 14. So those of you who are watching or if you're driving your car listening on the podcast, don't turn in your Bible. I'll read the Scripture for you, okay? But this is, this is the part about leprosy. Now, the word for leprosy that is here in the King James Version is not the word that is specifically for the skin disease, okay? Because here we're talking about the concept of leprosy in a house, and that's what we're about to get into and that actually is more referring to really mold, you know, mold. And, and it was, it's a Hebrew word that was sort of a generic term for really anything, any unclean growth. So they talk about it being on your skin or in, on your clothing or in your house. And so the Lord is establishing the concept that uh, we should not be putting up with uh, mold growing in our house. That's that's really I got an amen over here from Cindy. <laughs> She's the only one who said amen, so I'm nervous. I got five people in the room and only one said amen. You'll have some mold. <laughs> so the Lord says here in verse 33 of Leviticus 14, and the Lord spoke unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, When you when you come into the land of Canaan which I give to you for a possession. And I put a plague of leprosy in a house of the land of your possession. And he who owns the house shall come and tell the priest, saying, It seems to me there is, as it were, a plague in the house. So this is the setup. So God is telling Moses, this is not for right now as you're walking around in the desert and you have the tent. God is preparing the mind of Moses and the Israelites that He's going to bring them into the land of Canaan. And that's the book of Joshua. They go into the land and they begin to drive out all of the nations, all of the pagan nations that are there. And they begin to settle the land. And the Lord says that it might come to pass that a plague of mold pops up in your house. Okay, so God is preparing the mind of the Israelites that He expects them to have clean homes. In other words, this is the promised land. And in the promised land that I'm leading, leading you into, then you're going to have to take care of your home because I'm going to dwell with you in the land and I can't be in a place where you're just letting mold grow and take over your homes. In other words... The spiritual environment of the people, of course, this is, this is the linchpin of the Bible study, in case you didn't know. The spiritual condition of the people 
has got to be reflected in their physical environment. Let me say it again. Okay? The spiritual condition of the people needs to be reflected in the physical environment. In other words, if the people don't care about God, then they're not going to care about mold in their house. And you won't care about little idols in your house. And, and, and you won't care that you didn't wash your clothes. And you won't care that you haven't taken a shower in a week. You want me to keep going? Somebody's getting convicted right now. Somebody's about to run and wash their hair and brush their teeth. Everybody brush their teeth this morning? hope so. I'm getting nods. Nobody's confessing. Either you're lying or you did it. <laughs> in other words, uh, when mold comes into a house, it affects the whole family. Oh, wait a second. The whole family. So, now it's, it's not much of a jump to say that God is using this concept to reflect spiritual condition that sin that is allowed to persist in a person, in a family, in a community begins to take over the whole community. Am I getting somewhere yet? In an organization? In a country? Hmm. Well, say, well, John, that's that's maybe, you know, we're talking about mold in the house. Now you're talking about, you know, corporate sin. What are you talking about? Well, you know, God, God, Moses wrote this. God told Moses to put this in the same book where it's all about the sacrifices and all about having our sins forgiven and having our sins cleansed. And then right after that, he starts talking about mold in the house. I don't think I'm the one making the analogy. I think the Lord is. So the Lord is saying that it's up to you to look at your environment. In other words, if you're going to be taking care of your house, then that means you're looking to take care of uh, the spiritual condition of your family as well. Okay? It's going together here. So God is asking us to be holistic in who we are. That we can't just say that we are, uh, you know... Spiritual people, but man, we love to tell this story. And I'll, I'll tell the name because he, he tells the story himself. His name is John Williams. John and Catherine Williams. We tell this story uh, at the ministry a lot, but, but it's a true story. And it's, it, it's, it's a simple story. It's, it's nothing, uh, no magic in it, nothing like that. It's just uh, our dear friends, John and Catherine Williams, would travel and they would they would collect, you know, little things when they travel and cultural stuff, right? And then, and then the Lord convicted them that a lot of the things that they had brought into their home were uh, not honoring to the Lord, had skulls and maybe were dedicated to demons and things like that. And, you know, they just thought of it as a fun cultural thing. And, uh, so I was here. I was here when they drove up into our parking lot here in the office and they opened the trunk and it was full of all kinds of stuff. And I stood there as Pastor Rick went through all the items with them and we looked at each one and we'd see what it was about. And, and uh, I remember Pastor Rick would stand there and he'd say, no, that's fine, that was fine, that was fine. And then he'd look at another one and say, something's wrong with this one. 
You have skulls. I remember a candlestick that had skulls all in it. And so the Lord convicted them that they had to take care of their environment. They couldn't allow things to be in their environment that were not honoring to the Lord. And so you have to take you have to take care of your house. You have to clean your room. Hmm? Oh, you have to clean your room. If you don't clean, <laughs> I remember we had an intern. Oh Lord, <laughs> we, we had an intern. Oh man, you know sometimes the interns wonder why how, why do we get involved in their personal lives to such a such detail. Well, this intern did not clean their room. Not only did they not clean their room, uh, there was, you know, baloney left on the floor. There was literally mold. Yeah, there was mold. There was mold. There were things growing everywhere. There was, uh, uh, there, there was food. There was, I, I don't know what there was. It, it was... It was ungodly, I can tell you that. It was ungodly. It was, it, they did not read Leviticus 14. I don't think they've ever read Leviticus 14 their whole life. And I, I'm not saying they're not saved, but they didn't, they didn't read Leviticus 14. Well, gosh, I got stuck on the first three verses. But that's, that's the setup. So, so there, there's, a personal <laughs> there's a personal responsibility on the person to notice that their environment needs to be clean. It, it, it says here that he who owns the house shall come and tell the priest. In other words, it's up to them to do an inspection of the home, to look at what's going on, to take a minute once a week and, and, and look around and say, do I see anything growing? If there's something growing, then i got to go find the priest. Now that's really, honestly, it, that's a lot of responsibility because let's look at what happens. It's a very, if you find something, you don't want to find anything. It's easier just to ignore it. It's easier to ignore sin than to deal with it, isn't it? Ooh, in the short term maybe, right? But let's see what happens. Okay. All right. Then the priest shall command that they empty the house before the priests go into it to see the plague, that all that is in the house be not made clean, and afterward the priests shall go in and see the house. So they've got to take everything out of the house, all the personal belongings, okay? Now that in itself, who wants, who wants to take the time to do that when you're trying to get your, get your crops to grow? And, and you're, I mean, you don't have time for this, right? The Lord says, nope, you can't ignore this. It's up to you to see it and deal with it. And he shall look on the plague, and behold, if the plague be in the walls of the house with hollow strakes, greenish or reddish, which is in sight or lower than the wall, then the priest shall go out of the house to the door of the house, shut up the house seven days. A whole week you have to be displaced. The whole family has to leave for a week. Where are they going to go for a week? I mean, think of the inconvenience of this. Have you ever had to do mold remediation in your house? It's a pain in the neck. Thank God I don't have to do it. We, uh, we have some mildew that's because the, you know, the, the bathroom is where there's so much moisture in your house. And so if it doesn't ventilate well, so ours, one of our bathrooms, for whatever reason, doesn't ventilate very well. And so we were concerned 
uh, we started to see some things. And I find out now that, that the Lord was with, with me and I was uh, following the advice of the Lord without even knowing it. And we had a guy come and test, and it's no problem. It's really just mildew, but 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 we're gonna have to. Uh, we painted over wallpaper, and that's what it is. We're gonna have to. Oh man, but I got to do it. I got to take the wallpaper. I got to patch the walls, and I got to paint, repaint. I have to do it, or it's gonna get worse. You know. So we're trying to organize a weekend where I give Jason Ellis a little wallpaper scraper, and then I give him a paintbrush and let him make a mess of everything. Okay, so then the priests, okay, seven days they have to be out of the house, and the priests shall come in the seventh day and take a look, and behold, if the plague spread on the walls, and the priests shall command that they take away the stones in which the plague is, and they shall cast them into an unclean place outside the city. Okay, then they scrape the walls. They scrape all the walls, then they put new stones with plaster. Then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paraphrase here. For you, what they do is they they let it go another seven days, and then they come in and see if it's if it comes back, and if it does, the whole house is condemned. The whole house is condemned. You gotta you gotta destroy the house. Okay. If the plague, skipping to verse forty-eight, if the plague has not spread in the house after the house was plastered, then the priest shall pronounce the house clean. Because the plague is healed, okay. But if it, uh, but if it had come back, then it was the house had to be completely destroyed. So, so I kind of now mold obviously is is bad stuff. We know that now through some of our scientific, it's it ruins the air, it uh, allergies, asthma, bronchitis, breathing issues, and so the Lord was saying that uh, my people uh, cannot be in a in that type of environment where their health is compromised to that level. Now, in the same way, just like mold in a house can spread, sin can spread within a house, within a family, within an organization. Okay? So, just as they are to seek to... Uh, the people of God are supposed to have a, uh, a holy life. Uh, they... They're supposed to make sure their environment is clean, their physical environment. They're also supposed to make sure that their spiritual life is clean and that sin is not spreading within the community. Okay, now hold on. What? Sin is a personal thing, is it not? You know, that's a, that's a, that's a big matter of debate in the, uh, in the theological world. Is sin corporate? No, everybody's responsible for their own sins. Okay, so yeah, there's there's personal culpability, you know. We have to answer. We all have to stand before the judgment seat. Uh, you know, it also says that uh, in uh, I think it's Matthew 24 that that the nations will be judged. Though, you know, go figure that. But regardless, sin can grow. There's a progressive nature to sin. Well, we're going to explore that a little bit. Okay, so I've, I've spent half my time talking about mold. Thank you for this Bible study, Lord. I'm going to spend the next half of the time talking about how 
it's, a, it's an analogy that the Lord is using. And sin, just, just like the mold can grow in a house, sin has a progressive nature to it. Now, the classic verse for that okay, is, is James 1. You've got a Bible, and you know where James is. It's in the New Testament. Okay, So you go find the Gospels, and then you keep flipping. You go way towards the back, and after Hebrews, you find James. Okay, If you get to First and Second Peter, you went too far. So this is the progressive nature of sin. Okay? Beginning verse 14 of James chapter 1. You got it? Like I said, if you're driving, listening to the podcast, I'm going to read it for you. Don't go looking in your Bible. Okay. But every man or woman, that's, uh, that's the plural form of uh, people there, translated uh, in King James's man, but every man or person is tempted, drawn away of their own lust. Okay, so it starts, it starts individually and enticed, and then when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. So do not err, beloved brethren. There's a progressive nature to sin. Sin starts with a temptation of our own desire. It begins with something small. And we're enticed, and then, and then we begin to entertain the thought. Right? We begin to entertain the idea that that, that might be nice for me, and, you know, that's probably okay. God probably won't be too bothered by that. Uh, I won't be hurting anybody. And then, uh, but then it grows from there and it doesn't just give birth to sin, but then sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. And death begins to take over in a community. What What are you talking about? Well, let's take a look at a very real example and it's Cain and Abel. It's a very classic example that uh, that the uh, biblical writers, the writers of the Bible, referenced it all the time because it's a perfect example of how sin is progressive in nature and then if sin is unchecked, it begins to affect everybody. Okay? So that's Genesis chapter 4. So I, I, went, I went from James... All the way back to Genesis. There, that <laughs> it's all connected. Amen. Okay. So in verse five. Uh, so Cain and Abel. If you remember the story in Genesis, Cain and Abel, the two of the sons of Adam and Eve, came before the Lord to give an offering. Abel gave one that was acceptable to the Lord, and Cain did not. So in verse five. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. In other words, the Lord did not respect Cain's offering. And Cain was very angry. And his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why are you angry? <laughs> it makes me think of parenting a child when they do something wrong and then they, then they get in trouble and then they get mad at you because they did something wrong. 
Sydney's <laughs> nodding over there. That's what parenting is like. They they do something they're not supposed to do, so then they get in trouble, but then they get mad at you because they did something wrong. It's uh, it's funny. And then so the Lord says, "Why are you angry? I didn't do anything. You're the one that did something wrong. And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, shall you not be accepted? And if you do not well, sin." lies at the door, and unto you shall be his desire, and you shall rule over him. In other words, the Lord knew that Cain, when his offering was not accepted, and he saw that Abel's was, he saw in the heart of Cain the desire to kill his brother. And so he engaged Cain in a conversation to say, Come on, Cain. Don't dwell on that thought. Don't let that mold stay there in your heart. Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. And so there, sin begins to develop in the community. So much so, okay, so much so that when you get two chapters later in the book of Genesis, when it came to pass, when men, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born to them. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for thee also is flesh. Uh, and God said that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And that's Genesis chapter 6. So from Cain and Abel... Two chapters later, Genesis chapter 6, every imagination of man on the face of the earth was nothing but wickedness. Don't tell me sin does not grow within a community. Because it does. When it's unchecked. When it's not called sin and dealt with. Okay, I think I've laid the foundation to now say that in our denominations... Pray that God would raise up leaders who would call sin, sin. Not that the leaders are perfect necessarily, but at least willing to call sin, sin, and not redefine sin for what they would prefer it to be. Am I preaching now? Am I getting somewhere? Have you turned off the station already? Have you stopped listening because you don't want to hear it? If you're still listening then thank you, because this is sometimes a hard word. But it's one that we've got to hear. It's not convenient to uh, go tell the priest that you got mold in your house and risk the possibility that your house is going to have to be bulldozed and then rebuilt. It's not convenient. It's not convenient to look at an organization and say, we've got some things that are starting to grow in this place that are not of the Lord, and we've got we've to call sin what it is. And we have to clean it out because if we don't, we're going to have to just completely remove the whole organization. Sometimes there comes a point where, where sin and the thought pattern of sin develops in an organization to the point that it, it, you can't turn it back in the minds of the people. It's, it's taken hold. And it's in there. And, and uh, 
And you have to move on. So, us here in the Methodist Church, and it's not just the Methodists, there's a lot of denominations and churches individually who are dealing with this, and now they're looking around and they're saying, man, I think maybe we let a, a small thought grow a little too big and suddenly we're in trouble. Or maybe in your family, you know, maybe just in your family, let's, let's scale it down a little more. You let a thought grow a little too much within your family that I guess, uh, I guess we're never, we're never going to get along. That thought grows in your, in your mind too much about your family. Or, or how about a relationship? You know, this relationship, I guess, is just always going to be one that's full of fighting, so that's just what it is now. And that thought begins to take hold in the relationship or in the family or in a business practice, right? Well, I guess, I guess we're always just going to be a business that, uh, that has to, uh, you know, be a little bit dishonest to pay bills. You do it one time, you do it two times in your business, and then it kind of, you know, you get away with it, and then you don't check it. You don't stop and say, ah, that's not of the Lord. I can't, I can't have unbalanced scales. I've got to stop that right now. Lord, forgive me. And then you go and you, you pay back the person you cheated. Because if you keep doing it, then you get used to it, and before you know it, your business, the Lord, the Lord removes His hand from your business. And that's not... To, so how do you deal with it? Confession. How do you deal with sin? How do you deal with sin as, as an organization, as a community? It's through confession. Let's look here at... Uh, uh, i got a verse here I want to go. Because uh, Solomon, Solomon knew this. Okay. At the dedication of the temple, and I'll end with this, because this is uh, this this is this is how you deal with it. This is how you attack corporate sin. Okay, First Kings eight. I gotta go find it. It's before Chronicles, and it's before Second Kings. Solomon is about to dedicate the temple of the Lord. Or he is dedicating the temple of the Lord. And in, in chapter 8, verses 37 to 40, this is in the middle of a prayer to the Lord. And Solomon says, uh, If there be a famine in the land, if there be pestilence, blasting, mildew, locust, or if there be caterpillar, if their enemy besiege them in the land of their cities, whatsoever plague, whatsoever sickness there be, in other words, because of disobedience, because the people began to sin against the Lord corporately throughout the whole land, which they did many times. Okay? And so the Lord allows mildew and pestilence and, you know, bad things to come, ruin the crops. And so this is, this is a thing. This is Leviticus 14. What prayer and supplication soever be made by any man or by all your people Israel, which shall know every man the plague of his own heart. You see, immediately, Solomon knows. He makes the connection between the heart and the exterior environment immediately. He knows the two go together. And spread forth his hands towards this house. Then hear you in heaven your dwelling place and forgive. 
In other words, God, the only way we're going to make it is if we confess our sins and ask for forgiveness and ask that you clean our hearts. Okay? Hear you in heaven your dwelling place and forgive and do and give to every man according to his ways whose heart you know. For you, even you only, know the hearts of all the children of men. That they may fear you all the days that they live in the land which you gave unto your, our fathers. So, let me ask you to take an inventory of your house. Not just your physical house, but your spiritual house. Your family. Are there... Are, are there Ways that your family has adopted unhealthy behaviors and you need to say, it's time to change that. Confess and ask the Lord to forgive you and show you a better way forward. Has your church adopted unholy practices and thought processes? Begin to confess on your knees in front of the altar. I'll never forget a story Pastor Rick told of a man who was convicted about his church 15, 20 years ago. In Noonan, Georgia. And uh, I wasn't there, but, but uh, he came to, to ask Pastor Rick for advice. And he told the man, just go up. A, so the simplest thing, go in front of the altar 15 minutes before the service and pray. And he began to do it. He began to cry out for his church, for his community. And we, that whole community transformed. Dozens of people went to went with us to Brazil, got baptized in the Holy Spirit. The whole church changed so much that, uh, you know, the leadership didn't know what to do with them anymore. <laughs> they still don't. It's still just a monkey wrench of the whole thing. And we're proud of them. So you confess for your church. Go in front of the altar 15 minutes before the service and just pray. Say, God, I could just I want to confess before you the sins of my church. We're not a perfect church, but God, would you forgive our church and help us? What about our country? What about your denomination? Confess the sins that, uh, that we have allowed to continue unchecked. Call it for what it is. And ask the Lord to, as Solomon did here, to change, to have forgiveness. To turn the tide and begin to restore His goodness upon you. You'll see a change. Anytime we are willing to look at something that is not clean, that is not of the Lord, and say that it's not of the Lord, and confess it, and ask God to help us clean it, the Lord will answer that prayer. So do that. Have a great day. God bless you. We'll see you tomorrow morning. de Sarol queima a impureza do meu ser